Hello you numpties, this is the villain Marty Skell and you're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. <laughs> You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. If you're joining us again, welcome back. This is episode number 35. I am your host, Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and I am fired up right now, man. We had an absolutely insane week over in WWE. It's almost like they don't know what they're doing until they do it, and then we just get this stuff happening (laughs) out of nowhere. And and from what the reports say, that may be actually true. Like, there may be some hot shotting going on. Vince apparently came in this last weekend and was like, hey, you know that Survivor Series card? I'm not happy with it. We're going to change it all up, damn it. And they did, because this whole week has just been madness. We have a lot, a lot to go over this week with all of that madness happening. Yeah, we had we had title changes. We had, we had surprise matches out of nowhere. We had... Uh, the unpredictable additions to Survivor Series matches that came out of nowhere and were announced on social media. Uh, we had a, 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 a like a cross brand feud that came out of nowhere that I didn't see coming that I'm actually excited about. I mean, to be fair, most of the stuff I'm excited about, I think it's good stuff for the yeah. most part, but it's still it's just it's chaotic. It's crazy. Uh, we have a new main event at Survivor Series what? that we have to talk about and. In another note, the Montreal Screwjob is 20 years old. Happy 20, birthday, bro. 20 years old. I feel so old right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's 20. I remember when that happened. Oh, it was man. like the biggest thing that had ever happened. I don't know that I remember. I remember that it happened. I don't remember. I don't know if I remember where I was or what I was doing when it happened because I, I don't think I recognized that it was a thing at the time. I was a, I was a, I was a, a wee lad. You know, I, I was just. I don't remember much about it. I, I, I sadly I was not that wee at the time, but I do remember I didn't get to watch the pay per view because that's back when you had to drop sixty bucks and and be at a place where you could watch it. And I, I wasn't, and I didn't. But uh, I remember when it happened, and I remember how much everyone was freaking out about it. It was the beginning, I would argue, of the death of kayfabe. Mm. Um, you know, we, we could have a whole discussion and break down the Montreal <laughs> screw job, but there is just too much other big yes. news to talk about. So let's get into it and let's talk about the big news. Well, so wait, we're not going to talk about raw first. No, no. The, we, these things that are happening are bigger than raw or SmackDown. Okay. And because it is survivor series and the brands are going to head to head, we just have to talk about stuff that affects both brands. We're going full meta this we're week going on full meta Wide Open. <laughs> because the first thing we have to talk about is AJ Styles yes! is your new WWE champion. Finally! He he beat gender on SmackDown. I wouldn't say he beat gender. He beat gender. He beat gender. Uh, he carried gender. <laughs> to his victory. Um, oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, I hey, didn't mean it the other way. Hey, come on, man. That was the best. I mean, look, AJ is known for making everyone look good, but they had a match earlier this year that was so-so. Yeah. Jinder looked great in this match. And I he, can't imagine why. Uh, he will, and, and he was doing stuff, even stuff that wasn't AJ-based. Like, he just looked like he knew the story. He knew where to be. He was, the psychology was there. Like, Jinder did look good in this match, which is ironic 
considering it was it was his last match with the title. <laughs> I mean, this okay. So this is a, sorry, this, not sorry. This <laughs> is a this is a big deal for a, a number of reasons. I mean, first of all, we I don't know. We were saying last week that this was a possibility, but a distant possibility. Yeah. Um, well, I don't think this really came up. This sort of came out of nowhere, and it started with AJ coming back from South America to do uh, that spot at TLC. Right? Well, this is the thing you can you can speculate on why this happened. There's, there could be a, a number of reasons that this happened. Uh, one is that AJ has just been bending over backwards for the company for the last two weeks. You know, coming out of South America to fight Finn Balor uh, at the last minute because of the, of Bray Wyatt getting sick. Uh, go, doing 18 hours on a plane and then going and doing a, a tear down the house match and then doing uh, uh, the was it raw the next night yeah. and doing interviews like just worked his ass off for right. the company. Um, and this could be his reward for that. In addition, it could also be because, you know, Vince came along and said no one's really excited about the gender Brock match, but they would be excited about the AJ Brock match, which is true, mm-hmm. even though let's face it. I don't think anyone thinks that AJ's beaten Brock. In this match, they want Brock. You think that? Wait, you're I'm, I'm over your here hand. raising my hand. You think that AJ is going to beat Brock with all the work they've put into making Brock go over everybody to make him look big for Roman Reigns? Because AJ Styles is big enough to where it won't hurt Brock that much. Do are we doing our picks right now? No, because well, I'm saying well, I mean, there's. Okay. I'm calling AJ Styles for this match. You know, we don't have to do our picks right now. I but. have a history. When I say that something will absolutely not happen, it happens. Yep. So I'm going to say right now, there is absolutely no way, no way, not a, no, no chance, no chance in hell that AJ Styles beats Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series. Yes, I'm saying it right now. that means he's going to win. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, no, so now we have a new main event at Survivor Series. It's AJ Styles versus Brock Lesnar. This, here's the thing. Let me, let me really quickly, I just want to make a big deal about what an, uh, a historic moment this was for AJ Styles to win this belt in Manchester, England, specifically. Okay. In England on SmackDown. First of all... Why does he win all his titles in house shows? <laughs> or, or on SmackDown, right? <laughs> right. It's, it's weird, but, but it's been 14 years since the WWE title changed hands on SmackDown, on TV, not on a pay-per-view. 14 years. Last time it happened was Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar. I believe it was the Iron Man match in 2003. That's the last time it happened. It's been eight years since the WWE title changed hands outside of the U.S. Last time was uh, Cena over Orton uh, in Montreal. Uh, you know, speaking of Montreal, right. uh, I believe at Breaking Point in 2009. That was the last time it was outside the U.S., um and okay here's here's where I'm going to get crazy. The last time that the WWE championship changed hands or was awarded to somebody outside of North America unofficially unofficially it's not recognized. It happened in the 70s when uh, Antonio Noki beat Bob Backlund for it in uh I want to say it was like I think it was Japan obviously but that was the 70s it wasn't recognized right. right they don't they don't call that. The last time that the WWE champion, or the, at the time it was the WWWF championship. Right. The last time that someone was awarded that championship outside of North America was the inaugural champion. It was Buddy Rogers when he won the quote unquote tournament in quote unquote Rio de Janeiro in 1963, which of course, you know. Well, I was no going to ask can, if it was Buddy Rogers since yeah, you said it Buddy Rogers. Yeah. But no one can prove that tournament actually happened. But <laughs> okay. the, my point is, it's never really happened. It's, it's, it, it, Someone winning this title outside of North America hasn't happened. This is huge. Wow. 
So, you know, obviously they're, they're pulling the trigger on this because they needed it to happen now. And it just flew in the face of history. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a big deal that AJ won. And you could, I mean, the crowd lost their damn mind. Well, the UK crowds are always hyped. And uh, he ain't hype. We always hype. They, they stay hyped. They stay hyped. But the, the UK crowd is always, they, they were doing the special songs and they're always in unison and it's, it's perfect. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask about this is, you, you, we had notes in notes in here of why England. Are they pulling something similar for the UK that they were doing with gender um, in, in India? I don't know. Are they AJ, just showing the UK some love AJ a bit? has been, you know, he's been over in the UK. He's, he's been over there a bunch of times and he's over there. But it's not like they needed to do this. I think it was in England, not because of the, the hype crowd, because they've shown in the past that they don't really take crowds into consideration. Uh, always, sometimes they sometimes they do, but it's not. They're not going to make or break a match based on a crowd. We could check that to see when the last time a title changed hands in Corpus Christi, for example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Cor- much love, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but here's the thing: is I don't think that they they were like, okay, we're going to have the title change hands in, in in England. I think it was just happenstance yeah. that they were like, we need to get the title off of gender onto AJ now to build this, to build the numbers, to build excitement for survivor series. Let's just do it right now. Kind of like when AJ beat Kevin Owens for the U S title in Madison square garden, you know, part of it was a kind of a, a way of showing love to Madison square garden. Part of it was, we just need this for storyline right now. Uh, so I don't think it being in England had anything to do with it. Yeah. Um, it's a timing thing, in my opinion. But, it, but it's it's a timing it thing. It gives them an extra week to build on top of it to before we get to the actual match. Exactly, and that's what they needed, and that's yeah. why they did it. They pulled the trigger there. Um, my only thing now, I mean, and this is kind of a, a an anecdote, really, uh, is what happens to gender. <laughs> He's not even going to have a match at Survivor Series. We, he may. I mean, it may be one of those things where we look back and go. That was such a cold, calculated decision by WWE to have him be the champ for whatever it was, six, eight months, and just get those numbers up in India, and then they just toss him to the side again. We'll see what happens to him after this, because it could be that he loses the championship and he vanishes. I'm running down the card in the in my head, like the the whole roster, and I'm not finding a place where he fits in a feud right now. It sucks because in some ways, I felt like we were getting the best gender over the last month. Like he finally calmed down and was relaxed and giving good promos. And, you know, they didn't give him much to work with, really. Uh, he finally got over his jitters and was settling into things. And here we saw him have a good match. And that might be it for him. Mm. You know, I, I would like to see them give him a shot at doing something else besides the chicken shit heel champ with the two little buddies, which they've done time and time again, given something else to work with and see if you can get anything else out of him. It's SmackDown. It's the quote land of opportunity. Sure. Uh, you know, why not? But yeah, it's, that's the one thing that I was kind of thinking of this match. I'm like, I'm excited about AJ versus Brock. I'm excited that AJ's the champ, all these things. Then I took a second and went, what about gender? I will admit that I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. <laughs> I, well, prob- no- <laughs> I probably won't either. <laughs> Uh, but you know what? You know what? I, I another thing I won't lose sleep over because I'm so hyped for it is the fact that we now have new Raw tag champs. We had another big switch up on Raw in the main event. You had Ambrolins versus the Bar again, right? And at the end, the New Day show up in the audience and say, "Hey guys, it's Under Siege Part Two. Y'all never came back at us on SmackDown, so we're going to come back at you again." You didn't do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's time for Under Siege 2, baby! Isn't that Adam Cole's line that Kofi's uh, stealing there? I don't know. Uh, at any rate, Kurt calls out the whole locker room. Everyone goes running after the New Day who vanish into the crowd. And in the chaos, Sheamus decides to take advantage. Brogue, kips, uh, Brogue kicks Ambrose, I believe. Yeah. No, was it no, Ambrose? I think it was, it was Rollins. Rollins. It was Rollins. Brogue kicks Rollins, gets the one, two, three, rolls out. We have new champs. Now, here's the thing. This makes sense. To me, it, 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 I was hyped as hell for a two-thirds Shield versus Usos match. I thought it'd be great. But as shown in the, like, in the ongoing matches between Ambrose and Rollins and the bar, they've been just doing killer matches. Yes. Both these teams can work their asses off. This was another example of that. This match was great before the interference. Right. It was another awesome match. The bar is a legit tag team. Having them go against the Usos is still going to be a killer match. And one thing that we learned from this is that now New Day and The Shield are going to have heat. And guess who got announced to come back next week from his illness? Roman Reigns. Now, you can snore over there, but over here where I'm sitting, I'm thinking, hey, The Shield is going to be all back together. That's three guys. The New Day, that's three guys. We're having this whole talk about being cross-brand, all these cross-brand matches. Who's not in matches yet? Or who's no longer in a match because they're not the tag champs Amber anymore? Rollins. Yeah. So what about the Shield versus New Day? This is going to be an amazing mm. match. Think about the in the past, but when the Shield was first together, before we all hated Roman Reigns. Remember the matches that they had with Evolution, with the Wyatt family? They were amazing. I think that them having a match with New Day is a great idea. Absolutely. I, and I want to clarify that me snoring is my, like you just stated, my boredom and hatred for Roman Reigns. And well, not him himself, but his... His very intentional push that he's been getting. Yeah, the massive, the like the overdone push. But here's the thing. We're all happy he's back with the shield. And he's now ha- like, we're not getting the Roman, but we're getting a, a little respite where it's about the shield and not specifically necessarily sure. about Roman. Sure. And and I, I, I want to clarify that that is why I'm not mad at this. <laughs> I'm putting my Roman Reigns hatred on pause for the next two weeks until we get past this match, and then I'm sure he'll get another push. However, I don't know because they're booking the shit out of Braun Strowman right now, and there is I don't think there's anybody... That's gonna top him, not even Roman Reigns. Well, we'll get to we'll get to Braun in a little bit. I understand. I, I didn't mean to pray to to jump ahead, I, but that's I know you're 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 marking out for the Braun <laughs> these days, but we'll we'll get to him. But the fact of the matter is, is this is this was a huge swerve on the card for Survivor Series. This was a huge swerve on the fans. Now we have these two new matches. Now they haven't officially said Shield versus New Day, but come on, that's yeah, oh, ab- of course they're announcing that next Monday on Raw. Bank on it. Uh, so that we have now have two new matches that we, we thought were going to happen. We thought one was going to happen and that was the Usos versus Ambrollins. That's not happening anymore. Now it's Usos versus the bar. I'm hyped for that. Yep. Uh, and the, the very likely shield versus new day. I'm hyped for that. Of course. Me too. So now again, we were complaining about the chaotic booking and the lack of storytelling for some of these angles, but here's the thing. The end result is going to be a killer main show. They're, they are making the right decisions here. Vince is coming in and saying, I don't like this, I don't like that. He's making better matches. So in a sense, while I think that they're sacrificing the storytelling aspects, yeah. they're serving the end picture. Um, Didn't we say something similar about TLC when they changed a couple of things up at the last minute and then it became it went from mediocre to, oh my God, well, yes. Yeah, you can thank viral meningitis and the mumps for that. Sure. You know what I mean? This this is Vince. <laughs> this time it's arguably worse. Vince McMahon. Well, you know, and it's it's 
ending up with another great show, yeah. and, uh, at least on paper. So I'm fine about that. And uh, and uh, speaking of making a better show completely chaotically with no storyline basis, after SmackDown Live went off the air, we still didn't know who the fifth member of Team SmackDown was going to be. Right. And then bizarrely enough, Shane tweets out uh, yesterday on the 8th that the fifth member of Team SmackDown arbitrarily out of nowhere is going to be John Cena. Did, did, it, did a voiceover gig fall through at the last minute and he's like, oh yeah, I can be there actually. So there's a bunch of things we can speculate about this. First of all, it, fifth member was supposed to be AJ, right? It was supposed to yeah. be AJ versus Rusev this week on SmackDown. That got scrapped. Rusev had to go face Randy Orton, uh, who we lost to, of course, and now Rusev's back in limbo because um, Randy's already on the because team. Because Randy Orton. Um, and then you've got... You know, John Cena was supposed to be the guest referee in the match between Jinder and Brock to right. make that something, right? right? Well, so he was already free for that night, basically. Gotcha. So now they're trying to figure out, okay, well, AJ's the champ. He's in that match. We have space. Like, they're shuffling everything all around. Again, with the chaos. How do we make this work? Here's the thing, though. They ended up with a bigger card, and it does make SmackDown, who now have five faces on their team, look like a more convincing team. In storyline, I'm sitting here going, well, wait, if Shane was so confident about it, about his people on on SmackDown, why is he calling in free agent John Cena? Why is he putting himself in there? He's only got three members of the actual SmackDown roster that he was so high on on his team. I'm going down the storyline rabbit hole on this. Yeah. The bottom line is you just made a much bigger match by putting John Cena in this. Really? In you think minute. so? I, Cena is still such a massive draw. Yeah, you know what I mean. That. Like he's a, he's a, he's still a huge figure in WWE. Absolutely, this makes but, it a bigger deal. I mean, deal. It's, he's he's all but spot monkey at this point. So he's just going to come in, do his Super Cena thing, and then what? But get that's smashed Survivor by Series. Sermon? It's five dudes who get their spots in, and then they get eliminated. You right. know what I mean? It's like elimination that's, match, that's yeah. the match. He's not going to have to work that hard. He's just going to be there to be John Cena and add some more you know pomp and circumstance to the proceedings and be make it a bigger deal. And I still think this is going to be a good match. You have a bunch of guys who can work their asses off in this match. It'll it'll probably be pretty good. We'll probably get a bunch of cool moments. Yeah. So very possible. But you know, it's it just feels it feels like sloppy story writing. But uh, but that might just be because you have a seventy two year old man coming in and being like, "Screw all your stories. We're doing this instead." And you're like, you throw your hands up in the air and you're like, "Well, I." All that stuff we were working on, forget it. We're just going to... Yeah, let's just, just take just, the last three weeks and just throw them out. They never happened. Yeah, and they had four weeks to build for this. They had four weeks of storytelling well, to build Well, that was kind of the last lines. thing I wanted to bring up here about the, the Survivor Series stuff itself was uh, now we've only got one week. We've got le- 10 days, I guess you could say, till Sunday, um, to till next Sunday to talk about, to build these kind of new things that they've shuffled. They've, it's the shell game they've played. And... Why didn't you do this two to three weeks ago? Yeah, was it that you didn't know? Like, was, that's what I'm saying. Is is it something where Vince just comes in and makes these decisions because they didn't know or they were trying something? They weren't getting the response they wanted, uh, like with Jinder and Brock. And, and so they were like, okay, screw that. Scrap that. We had the time to try and feed it to people to see what the response was. And because the response wasn't what we wanted, we're going to try this different ass, this different take instead, these different matches. Look what happened when we brought AJ in to fight Finn. Yeah. Well, as, you know, as an example. Is, but this kind of hot shutting has been done for decades in oh, the sure. WWE. Like, this and, is nothing new, but it's just, it's, it's always frustrating when you see it happen and you go, you know, why can't you guys stick to a game plan? Well, is this also a sign of the times where we're having a pay-per-view every other week for the, each of the different brands and everything changes so quickly that you can't really take four weeks to build true storylines anymore? It has to be fast food. Well, so here's the here's the thing. I kind of asked, asked a rhetorical question there. You know, why can't you do X, Y, Z? It's because it's so focused on buys for the network 
and it's uh, focused on ratings for the TV show when they have a deal coming up next year that they have to negotiate. So they need to get the ratings up. So you have to have big matches on SmackDown, like, say, AJ versus Gender, and have the title change hands. Um, not that it did that much more numbers than than the average, but it was still it was still up, but not significantly so. And they did spoil it before it went out, so people knew to watch. Um, but they're also trying to get more buys for the network, so that you so you build bigger shows. You have to be concentrated on building the best show every time that you can. And like you said, there's so many of these big shows now that you have to you know they they've just basically given up on some of the storylines on the individual episodes on TV and just going for these big matches, one-off matches with no build on the TV shows to try and get viewers. Um, and they're, you know, letting like there's, they're, they're spot monkeying it. Like you said, where they're like, okay, and suddenly next week we're going to have this big match and there's no build to it whatsoever. But next week there's this match, you know? Uh, and then all of a sudden you'll have a pay-per-view come along and they're like, uh, and this match is going to change. And now it's going to be this even bigger match. Please watch. Doesn't this? There, there's a diminishing return That's on this. That's exactly though. what I'm going for. And it's we're going to get numb to it. Um, the same kind of things happened in cinema this year and movies and stuff where we just had so many big blockbusters every yeah. fucking weekend. And, well, and to speak, and now to we're your, having uh, now we're having these big pay per views and these big matches and these title changes every other week. And it just it, we can't take four weeks anymore. Well, but speaking set to that your precedent. metaphor, your, your metaphor of movies, yeah. it's like having a movie where it's just all explosions. Right. All explosions. Look, we give you all this. You like explosions? Here's all explosions. But there's no story. And at a certain point, you're kind of like, okay, I've seen explosions. Yeah. You know what I mean? How many different things can I see explode? Oh, great. John Cena is going to be on the Survivor Series team. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, that's still... It's big... not, oh my God, John Cena is going to be on the Survivor Series well, team? Well, I think there's some people that are still like that. But as you said, it's going to be diminishing returns. Yeah. And, and they're not building up someone to be the level of John Cena if they even have someone like that. Braun Strowman, but mm-hmm. who knows? What <laughs> one other thing we got to get to before yes. we get into the actual shows? It's a kind of a big late breaking news story is that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, uh, according to PW Insider, were kicked off the Euro Tour. They were sent home. Define kicked off. They were sent home. Okay. They were they're they're no longer on the tour, and there's a bunch of speculation still. We still haven't gotten any confirmation on a certain aspects of the story. The things that we do know is that uh, when SmackDown Live started, they had a confrontation with The New Day and Shane McMahon. Um, people were speculating that it was in the speech at the beginning, like the, the discourse they were having, that was that there was a problem. That's not it. Um, then there was a match between Sami Zayn and Kofi Kingston, which was a little sloppy, but nothing too, nothing too bad. It was a decent match, uh, and the, the finish was fine. It was all went as it's supposed to go. However, afterwards, Kevin Owen comes in to beat up Kofi Kingston. Right. Save Sami Zayn. They roll out and leave. That apparently is was was not supposed to happen. They were supposed to stay and get beat up by the New Day to both, I guess, make the New Day look hot and um, you know get an audience reaction and a yeah. pop and everything. You know the heels getting theirs. Yeah. Well, apparently they just left. Now we don't know if that's them just kind of taking their ball and leaving. Like we don't want to get beat up. Screw you guys. Or if it was a miscommunication or what it was. But supposedly that, in addition to the fact that they've, they've apparently been difficult backstage over the last few weeks, was that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm, okay. This is what's being reported, and they were sent home as a result. Now, here's the thing. We could be overreacting on this. This could be a work, and it could be something that, that they're trying to work the smarks, for lack of a better word, and make us think that they're in trouble. They're no longer the brand, and they're not going to be there, and then they run interference at Survivor Series and cost SmackDown the match. This could be something that's not really a big deal. It's a slap on the hand and like a get your attitude straight kind of thing. Right. 
Or this could be a big deal and we could be losing Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn because they were both friends with Jimmy Jacobs and Neville who obviously have issues as well. So uh, one thing I haven't gotten to do this week as well on that vein is apparently Austin Aries went on to talk as Jericho this week and did a tell all about why he left and all of that kind of stuff. I ooh. haven't gotten to listen to that yet. I haven't either, but I, I but I want to go hear what he has to say about his feud with Neville at WrestleMania and all of that stuff, because I think that might give some indication of what's what well, might have gone down and maybe some foresight into what's happening now. And also, we've been seeing a lot of people acting out in frustration backstage at WWE. It might be curious to see you know, what the mentality developing. is. developing. Yeah, maybe. But this is something that it, it makes me nervous. But, there's, but again, this is all so speculative at this point that there's not really any conclusions we can draw. All we can do is just kind of nervously wait and see if we might be losing two of the most talented guys in WWE or if this is something else, uh, if this is you know them wanting to go home, or if this is part of storyline that they're right. there's a, like the new way of kind of working the marks, who knows? But it's worth noting because it could develop into a big deal. Well, we've got one more week, one more show to do. The go home shows, three, all three of them next week before Survivor Series. But that was the big news for this week. Let's head over and talk about what went down on Monday Night Raw. So let's talk about the rest of the things that happened on Monday Night Raw. First of all, I have to talk about what was probably my favorite match of the week outside of the AJ Jinder match, and that was a rematch of, of some of the best title matches we've ever seen in NXT, and that was Finn Balor versus Samoa Joe. Yes. Dude, they had a killer match this week. Joe came out, murdered Titus O'Neil and Apollo Crews, and then asked for competition in a very Braun Strowman-like way. Yes. And out came Finn Balor to, a, of course, enormous ovation from the UK crowd. Of course. And these two guys just beat the crap out of each other. Um, until, actually, from a plot standpoint, this is interesting, until at the end, they got counted out because they were just kicking the crap out of each other on the ramp. And then Kurt comes out and goes, hey, you guys, I like this energy. It's like, I like this aggression. This is what I want on my team. So you're both on Team Raw for Survivor Series, which makes no logical sense whatsoever. Nope. And then they kept fighting. And then Finn Balor jumped off the stage beautifully onto Samoa Joe and they got separated again. Um, first of all, like I said, this match was awesome. It was one of the matches to watch this week. How much better is it to have Finn in a good feud as opposed to that crap he was doing with Bray Wyatt for the last four months? It's, uh, it's interesting to see him in a different place with your traditional WWE superstars versus the up-and-comers coming out of NXT and or I'm doing air quotes indies at non WWE promotions. So think of the matches he's had recently with AJ Styles, with uh, Samoa Joe. Uh, didn't he also have one recently with Kevin Owens? Not for of. a long okay. time that I can recall. I see a different Finn Balor when I <laughs> not he, since Japan. I don't. I think he had. Oh, he may have had one. I think there was one earlier. Oh, this way year. back, but it was. I remember. I mean, he took the belt off of uh, Kevin Owens in Japan. That's the last one I can recall. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I see a different Finn Balor when he wrestles these guys than I do 
more prototypical WWE superstars, if I can get away with saying that. I think the listeners know what I mean. I hope you know what I mean. I don't know, man. I I thought he had a great match against Roman Reigns at, at uh, SummerSlam. I thought that he did some good work against other guys. I just think the problem was with Bray Wyatt was the whole feud was built on this nonsense. Like, it was just so horribly written and so horribly and just made no sense, dragged on way too long. Yeah. And here is just a feud about two dudes wanting to see who's the better fighter, and they just don't like each other. They don't get along. And the more they hit each other, the more they don't like each other, and it gets hotter and hotter. And that's that's the best. That's, that's wrestling. That's, that's what I want to see. It's all I need. I don't need like all of this supernatural gobbledygook and Bray Wyatt wearing hot topic face paint. I just need to see two badass dudes beating the crap out of each other. And that's all this was. Listeners, we're going to have to send Ian to uh, Bray Wyatt therapy. So if you could send your donations. There is not enough therapy in the world to fix what has happened to me because of Bray Wyatt. I used to be a huge Bray Wyatt fan, and they have turned that into the most seething, bubbling hatred of that poor guy and his character. Me too. It's just, oh, it's so frustrating. I'm just going to say me too. I mean, you know, all the the things people talk about with all of the different gimmicks and characters that WWE has screwed up, you know, whether it's Bailey, whether it's Austin Aries, whether it's, you know, any of the NXT call-ups that have fallen by the wayside, you know, the Ascension, what they did with them and American Alpha, how botched that was. Right. Bray Wyatt has to be the most bungled character in the last, God, 10 years, maybe. I mean, the, the, how over he was and how brilliant his character was and his entrance and his everything and just how far he's fallen and how bad it's gotten. A year ago, he was WWE champion. Yeah, but even that, that was like a small road bump on the, the, the road to hell. I'm not dismissing it, though. I'm, I'm, not, not, I'm not just... I mean, that was their ago, last chance. That was their last... Give, him getting the title when he did, and as strong as he... Remember, he went over Cena clean to do yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and, and AJ, I believe, too. You know, he that was the last gasp of that character. And then we had the Randy Orton feud. We had the maggots in the ring at WrestleMania. We had the House of Horrors match. We had the sister Abigail get up. We had all of this crap that he, the horrible Seth Rollins feud that ended out of nowhere. Like he just has been on a train to nowhere and I, he's officially in nowhere. Anyway, I'm getting off on a Bray rant. <laughs> we're, talking about, go. <laughs> we're talking about Finn Balor versus Samoa Joe. Here's the thing. One more aspect about this I want to talk about is the writing for the GMs on both brands. Okay. Okay. Shane comes across looking like a megalomaniacal hypocrite over on SmackDown Live. And if you do anything but buy into what they're telling you, if you follow your eyes and your ears, you're like, this guy's kind of a dick and he's, he's a megalomaniac and he's, I wouldn't want to work for him either. Kurt Angle looks like a bumbling buffoon, which is what they did with Mick Foley before him. You know, they don't look like strong leaders or intelligent leaders. They don't look like they make good decisions. You know, Kurt comes running out with the whole raw, uh, raw roster and gets uh, Ambrollins to lose their titles because of his messing up. Yeah. Right. Stephanie tears him a new asshole. And then he's freaked out for the, the whole net rest of the episode on last week's raw uh, this week. He arbitrarily puts his kid into the Survivor Series match. And then also here, he puts two guys who freaking hate each other on one team. Why would you do that? Why, what Doesn't this say to everybody, these guys are going to have a problem in the match and they're going to you know, cost Raw some, some members because they're going to get someone eliminated because they're going to get into a fight. This doesn't make any sense. From a storyline perspective, if you're looking at Kurt Angle, you're, gonna, you're looking at him and saying, you're a, a moron. 
Yeah. You know uh, what I mean? And, and where's Daniel Bryan in all this? Is he off doing some, something else? He's rehabbing his neck because for some reason Kane choke slammed him and we haven't really figured out why that happened. In kayfabe, sure, but I mean, what is he really doing? I don't know. Oh, okay. Is he I have at no, home with the baby for two weeks or I, something? Hey, I, man, I'm just... I, <laughs> as far as Daniel Bryan's concerned, until he leaves WWE and just says, screw you, I'm going to go wrestle in Dragon Gate or Ring of Honor or New Japan, or until WWE finally goes... Fine, fine, you can wrestle and gives us a Daniel Bryan match. Until then, he was great on Talking Smack. Aside from that, he has done nothing for me for the last, you know, however many, ever since he got injured. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and and, uh, one more quick note. I I think Titus and Apollo are officially now, we can label them jobbers. Yep. Yep. Titus Titus, Titus Worldwide, officially dead. Uh, We're calling it right now. Can we talk about Braun Strowman now? Speaking of officially dead, I think Miz is officially yes. dead, along with his Miz Taraj after Braun Strowman finally got his hands on him yes. because Miz mouthed off to Kurt one too many times on Miz TV, and he got put in a match with Braun Strowman, who promptly decided to kill all three members of Miz and the Miz Taraj uh, until, of course, Kane came out. And uh, decided to have a little face off with Braun Strowman. What did you think about the, the finally getting Kane and Braun face to face? Braun, I thought I was like, okay, let's let's see how this really goes down, and it went down about as I expected. Braun Strowman scoops him up like he's a paper bag, three hundred and fifty pound man, seven footer, and Kane onto his shoulder and power slams him. And I was like, yep, you know what? There is no stopping this man. This is exactly how they need to be building and booking him as this unstoppable monster. They fell off of that a little bit in the summertime, but they have come back in full force so wait, with, with him just becoming this unstoppable monster. So wait a second. If he's an unstoppable monster, then how could Kane sit up after his running power slam? Because he's Kane and uh-huh. it's his thing and that's what they do. Him and Undertaker do and it's cute. Uh, it's old and tired, but it's still cute. I here's the thing. So up until now, Kane has been sold as this vicious monster. He beat Finn Balor up a couple of times, and which still irks me yeah. that they're basically feeding a bunch of the the near main eventers to Kane to put him over to make him look like a bigger deal this late in the game, so that he looks like a match for Braun Strowman. This him sitting up after the power slam was the first time that I actually went, okay, now this is cool. And the reason is it still it kind and it's probably just me. It's probably my nostalgia. But it called back to the kind of this little bit of supernatural element of Kane, you know, where like he can do that. Like him and Undertaker, like you said, they just sit up. That always got a pop from me back in the day whenever they would take a huge move and no sell it and sit up. I loved that shit. But as we said with Kane last week, without his pyro, without the lights turned down, without the stuff, it, it's not really him. Now, I got really excited when he in his return when he popped up through the bottom of the ring again. Because that was that's awesome, right? But I want to see fire and brimstone and the big red machine. And he just looks like a dude in a bodysuit walking down with a mask on. It's now. definitely lost some of the luster that it. I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's really Kane without the actual flames. You can have the sound effects all you want, but it's just not. It's not the same, and yeah. the and the the real nostalgia isn't there. Um, my question is, where are they going with this in terms of Survivor Series? Because uh, is Kane going to run interference on Braun Strowman during Survivor Series, leading to a match later on? Uh, how long are we going to have this Kane return? I mean, is this is this his final run? Is this Kane's retirement tour? Um, you know, I don't know if it should be. I mean, he definitely still has some. You know, he he still looks pretty good out there. Yeah, but I mean, he could be enhancement. He doesn't have to be this top level. 
you know, breaking all of the main main eventer guys down. Like well, my this. issue is that he is enhancement. I it's just he's that. only enhancement for Braun Strowman, and yeah. he's okay. he's making everyone else enhancement for him. And so that kind of booking, I think, is short sighted. You know what I mean? I, I I think that you should make Braun Strowman look like a bigger deal. Yeah, you've already done that over Big Show. You've already you know made him look like he's competitive against Brock Lesnar, even though we're they're all hush hush and not really saying that. Not making a big deal about the fact that Brock beat him pretty handily. They're, they're going to save that for the Roman and Brock feud. You mean Braun beat him pretty handily. Uh, Brock beat Braun pretty handily because he got tired. Let's uh, be clear. Okay, I'm saying in story. Would you stop marking out for Braun Strowman <laughs> over there? No, Braun didn't really lose. It's Even the camera guys messed up and they caught it on tape. Is Braun Lord. looking over at him, going, "Are you, are you done?" Well, and then three seconds later, F5 pin. Okay. Oh, come on. All right. So we can all start bitching about Brock Lesnar and, and his Braun lack. Strowman is Brock Lesnar's next opponent. And I. What? I totally believe just, they're going to bring him back. They just had a feud. What nope. are you talking about? They're oh, my bring God. Him back. Okay. We are not going down this road because you're wrong. It's going to be Roman Reigns. Shh. Uh, other things to talk about on Raw. <laughs> before we get on this rabbit hole any longer. Um Jason Jordan, as we mentioned earlier, is also the member of uh, Team Raw because he beat Elias in a, dear God, I can't believe I'm saying this in 2017, in a guitar on a pole match. Apparently, someone in the back is a fan of Vince Russo because we haven't seen this kind of booking since WCW in 2001. Actually, we have. Kendo stick on a pole match. Alexa Uh, and Bailey. Uh, I'm 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 rolling that into the this oh, okay. kind of yeah, booking yeah. statement. Yeah. In 2017, we've had two quote on, we've had two on a blank pole matches on a pole matches. This is the second one, and if I never see one again, it will be too soon. Um, yeah, Jason Jordan beat up Elias with his own guitar. There was a pole. Nice. Enough said. Uh, speaking of of people murdering people, Oscar murdered another jobber this week and got put on uh, the women's team Raw. Yes. Which I think is a brilliant decision. Brilliant. Brilliant. Oscar has kind of been botched since she showed up. Uh, Emma got way too much offense I think the on Emma her. thing threw it off. It did. I will. Had they kept the feud going with Emma it's, as strong as Emma was looking, I think it would have been a bigger deal, because, but that completely threw it out the window. I would argue that Emma should have put Asuka over stronger. The fact that Emma got so much offense on Asuka damaged the impression that the casual fans had of her. If you hadn't watched her in NXT... You were told this was a monster who's going to come in and murder people. So to your point, that's probably why they're booking her the last two weeks, just murdering jobbers. Because because they realize, yeah. whoops, we have to have her be a killer. Yeah. But the audience already isn't reacting to her the way that they want because, first of all, no one's really likes a squash match in 2017 yeah. um, unless it's just like a Braun Strowman murder of James Ellsworth, right. which is, I think, the most over squash match we've had. Um, for I mean, I think inarguably, considering that Ellsworth made a career out of it, right? But in this case, I don't think anyone's really excited about seeing Oscar kill people. I think that it's going to be a bigger deal when Oscar is killing established women. I do too. You know what I mean? And yep. to have her against Emma, who was built to be a joke for the previous two years, and then have Emma get all that offense in, it didn't look good for Oscar. So this is this is a step in the right direction. Putting her on the women's Raw team is a, is a major step in the right direction, and hopefully, in the match at Survivor Series, they can put her over, make her a bigger deal than than they've made her out to be the last couple of weeks. Well, since you mentioned the women's Survivor Series team, we did have a tag match tonight between uh, the team of Nia Jax and Alicia Fox facing off against the team of Bailey and Sasha Banks. 
this had some interesting developments, implications, and then further on to next week, which we'll talk about. In well, yeah, this is interesting. So ultimately in this, Sasha Banks puts Alicia Fox in the bank statement and gets her to tap out. Right. After the match, Alicia Fox says, oh, yeah, Sasha, I want you on my team. You know, I want you on, on Team Raw. Doesn't make mention of Bailey. So Bailey's sitting dejectedly against the ropes and looks up at Sasha. And Sasha is all smiley and grinning like, yeah, I'm a badass. Looks down at Bailey and goes, whatever. Right. Kind of blows her off. Yep. Kind of heelish. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. So there's two things I liked about this. The match itself wasn't that great. But here's what I liked about the story. One, we're seeing a little bit of heel coming out of Sasha Banks. Finally, finally, after months and months and months and months of wanting it, hopefully they finally pull the trigger on this long-term heel, heel turn that we've been waiting for from Sasha Banks. Right. In addition, this is also a good way of booking Bailey. Right, we've been saying recently they've been kind of breaking her down, making her look uh, not like the kind of chump loser that they were earlier in the year, but now she just looks like she's kind of being left out. This gives her a place to come back from as a babyface, right? Yes, to fight against the odds, to be the underdog that she her character has always been really good at being. So next week we had set up a three way match for the final slot in the women's uh, Survivor Series team. And it's going to be a three-way between Mickey James, Dana Brooke, and Bailey, and that's really curious because if Bailey loses that, where does that leave her? If she wins that, does that does she kind of she's getting in the back door to this team? She has to win that, as you far as think, I think. But I could see Mickey James doing it too, given I, the push I, they've, she's been of, getting lately. Kind of, and then have Bailey in storyline be out in the cold again, which like long, like I said, long-term build to her character. I could see them doing that too. The best thing they could do with Bailey is turn Sasha heel and have oh, them have, uh, have them feud. It's very obvious. It's very transparent right there in front of their faces that that would be one of the best things that they could do and have them have a nice long feud. If they uh, do it right, which of course is a long shot <laughs> in WWE. Right. If they do it right, please remember that one, arguably one of the greatest women's matches, if not the greatest women's match in WWE history. Was Sasha Banks versus Bailey? Sasha as a heel, Bailey as a monster face uh, in Brooklyn. It feels like that's coming back. If they do it right, and again, that's a big if. <laughs> we could we could see that happening again. These two are great when they wrestle each other. Uh, I'm hoping that they don't bungle this, um, and that the all the little telltale signs they're giving us lead to another one of those. Well, last but. Certainly not least, a thing we need to talk about that went down on Monday Night Raw was Enzo Amore getting basically destroyed by Pete Dunne. Yeah, this was great. You know, obviously, Enzo has now turned his coming out and talking to the audience thing that used to be really over. Yep. He's turned it into a weapon yep. where he'll just come out and blather on for everyone until everyone's sick of him. Um, and in this particular segment, you saw Kalisto come out and Enzo's like, oh, of course, after Enzo went off for forever and was just you know driving everyone nuts. <laughs> Kalisto came out. Everyone thought they were going to have a show off, a showdown, but instead Kalisto picked up a chair, sat down next to the ring, and Kurt comes out to announce that Pete Dunne, the UK champ, the bruiserweight, the bruiserweight is going to face the cruiserweight. And of course, Pete Dunne, uh, being the UK champ in the UK, got a massive pop, of course, and then murdered Enzo to a massive pop. 
Uh, so yeah, this was this was just basically a way to please the UK crowd, and and it also pleased me at home. Yeah, it was nice to see Pete Dunne finally show up on Raw on on, on a major show. But yeah, this is a belt they have that's in their company. Everyone complains about the cruiserweight belt not getting enough love. This is the first time we've seen the UK belt on one of the main shows. That's insane. Are at least, we only going to see that when they go to the UK? I don't know. I mean, 205 Live was like, you know, all UK this week too. So course, yeah. I don't know. It was it was something that I think was long overdue, was giving this title a little bit of respect. Um, and they definitely gave it respect by having the champ of that division look like a monster here. So yeah, this was, I was entertained by this. But here's the thing. This is just another way of setting up Kalisto versus Enzo at yeah. Survivor Series, which just sounds like the ultimate pre-show match or the piss break match between you know the the, the last two events last two big uh, matches of the, on the card so i'm not looking forward to Kalisto versus enzo part 1800 or whatever it is now yeah, no need for it all. but yeah, i guess the question comes down to is there anybody else right now that could face him i mean uh, you drew gulak's on his side and arguably one of the more over people in the cruiserweight division right and now. everyone else is in a feud i mean i don't right. know who else they could bring up to to face him oh wait uh i just remembered Hideo Itami huh? got announced to be coming to 205 Live this week. Really? Now, he's been a heel in NXT, but that has nothing saying he can't he's be a face. in NXT, too. Well, but recently, like, he left NXT sure. as a heel. So he could come in as a heel and align with Enzo, but I think that'd be silly. You, you have him come in as a face and GTS the crap out of Enzo a few times. He's immediately over. So, And he's had a kind of a... He's had a botched run in the WWE overall. Like for a guy who has more five star matches than almost anyone else in the WWE, uh, he's had a tor- a terrible run. He got derailed by injury a couple of times. Like the poor guy. I hopefully he can find his footing in two hundred five live. But fingers crossed. Well, Monday Night Raw wasn't the only show building for Survivor Series this week. We've got one more week to go, but let's head over and talk about what went down on SmackDown Live. So we've already talked about what happened with the New Day and Sammy and Kevin Owens and Shane. And we talked about, of course, the, the big event on this show, which is the main event where AJ Styles beat Jinder clean in the middle of the ring. Yes. The WWE Championship. Thank God. After running down the Singh brothers like a couple of scared gazelles. <laughs> that, I'm sorry, man. Uh, really quickly, AJ Styles rugby tackling the one Singh brother as he chased him down was just a freaking thing of beauty. Yes. Just, just going to throw that out there really quickly. But... Speaking of things of beauty, there was a bunch of other entertaining segments on SmackDown Live that we got to talk about. And one that, you know, I have to, I had mixed feelings about it, but the more I think about it, the more I was entertained by it was the intergender match. It's the first time I've called it out before that the WWE never does intergender matches. And a lot of times they're really precious about uh, men and women fighting on the shows. Yeah. This was interesting because you had an intergender match between uh, Ellsworth, James Ellsworth, and Becky Lynch. And they set it up by having Ellsworth be like a totally chauvinistic asshole in the back yeah. and, you know, tell outside uh, the locker room with pretty Becky, much right? yeah. pretty much say every like horrible male chauvinistic thing he could to Becky. I was even cringing. Um, and then and then he got a surprising amount of offense in this match. I actually thought this was going to be a quick one, two, three disarmor. He's done. Uh, but instead, he it was a bit of a back and forth and he got some offense in on Becky, which I was shocked to see. On WWE TV. Now, there was no palm strikes. There was no, you know, European uppercuts chops or anything like no that. No yeah. chops. I think the worst thing he did was push her really hard a couple of times, 
which the crowd really reacted to. I want to throw that out there. Like they were doing a lot of wrestling moves in each other. This was a bit of a sloppy match, um, but it's Ellsworth. I, who cares if it's sloppy? It's just supposed to be kind of silly, lighthearted fun. She almost broke his neck with her fish, or she calls it her Bexplode or whatever. It's a fisherman suplex, basically. He, he sandbagged a little bit on that from where I was like, sitting. He it, came down on, on the back of his neck, and I just went, Ah, yeah, well, ah. it it looked almost as ugly as the time he almost broke his own neck in the uh, in the uh, AJ Styles um, Styles clash. Right, right. You know when he p- turned his head the wrong way and <laughs> Styles had to save him on, on the way down. But uh, at any rate, like I said, it was not a technical masterpiece, but it was fun for some reason. I I, I was okay with this. Like, uh, you know, and of course, it makes Becky look like a beast. Oh, of course. And uh, I think one should. of the things that made her look even better was the thing before the match outside the locker room with her re- responding to, you know, him just saying, because I'm a man, you're a woman. All, the way that she was just laughing at him and responding to that stuff, I thought was really good. But the thing to take away from this match was what happened after the match where Carmella turned on Ellsworth and gave him back some no chin music. It's funny. I, I actually thought, oh, this is Carmella turning on Ellsworth for a moment, and maybe they're going to go a different direction with Ellsworth. Uh, Carmella in a backstage bit that was on social media or on WWE YouTube, I believe. Um, I can't keep up with all that shit. <laughs> well, you have to because they're putting so much story on this now. Uh, she explained that, oh, that's just her and James's relationship. It's just weird Carmelsworth stuff. That's just he's he's we're, into we're that. We're calling stuff. him Carmelsworth now. Uh, you heard it here first. Holy Carmelsworth. Uh, yeah, Carmelsworth things. That's just all it is. You know, it's kind of like him being on the leash and him being her little dog. He that's just that's just how she treats that's him. Just Carmels. Oh, okay. that's just Carmelsworth. Yep, you're on board. I can already tell. Oh Speaking of things that we're both on board first it with, was Ambrolins. Now it's Carmelsworth. Oh, I'm only gonna find more of these, brother. Don't worry. Uh, I, I mean, I'm already I'm working on one for uh, Aiden English and Rusev, who we have to talk about next because Rusev had a match against Randy Orton to get on the SmackDown team, which unsurprisingly he lost, of course, uh, because Randy Orton, because Randy Orton and because Rusev, really. And once again, John Cena comes along and takes his spot. Uh, I don't know how many oh, times. Oh, God, I didn't even think about yeah, that. That's I don't dirty. even know how many times Cena's going to inadvertently or not bury Rusev but once I loved, again I loved how much shine at the before the match they gave to Aiden English with the the lights out the spotlights him working the crowd he's got the new intro I mean they they've been doing it for awesome. a few weeks now where it's like and now everyone listen to the operatic melodious voice of Aiden English the artist like they're giving him the whole thing they've been doing it for a while now and I I love it like ever since he went solo it's been building and building and building uh, he and Rusev play really well together. They've got good chemistry. The two characters work well together. Um, it's just unfortunate that once again, Rusev goes down to freaking Randy Orton. Now, that being said, what I was just saying earlier about uh, Carmella talking on YouTube. Yep. So Rusev had a great interview about this match on YouTube afterwards where he okay. said, where he basically explained why he lost. And it, Sounded a little bit heelish, like where he was bitching and complaining, but it was also, I, I liked it a lot because he made it sound like like he, he, he put a spin on it that you don't see a lot in WWE. Meaning what? So he explained that he lost to Randy Orton because he was told he'd be facing AJ Styles, a smaller, faster guy. Gotcha. Also, oh, this is the whole I wasn't prepared thing. Exactly. Okay. So it's a, it's a heel explanation. Yes, totally. But he did it in a really awesome, like, sports 
centric kind of way, right? As though this was an actual wrestling match. I was preparing for a smaller, faster guy. Instead, Shane doesn't text me. He doesn't call me. The day of, he puts me in a show in a match against a 14-time world champ in Randy Orton. He's like, I think he even made reference like when the Packers face the Vikings, they spend all week preparing. You can't call in the day of and say they're going to face the Dolphins. You know, like it was a really good interview. Right. Actually, it, to me, it helped his character a lot. I'm glad to see him doing work like that, even if it's only on YouTube. It was still good stuff. Nice. Is it time for Rusev to do something else? Like, I don't know, tag team with Aiden English? Well, we've been speculating on that for the last couple of weeks that they might form a tag team. And at this point, I mean, probably after Survivor Series, yeah. that would seem like the logical way to go. The tag division could use another good team. Uh, they're not really doing any. The two of them aren't doing anything in a singles division. But then what's Randy Orton going to do for a living? I don't care. Besides I, beat Roos? Just go go away, Randy. Uh, he's <laughs> over with everyone but me. I don't know. Every time he comes out, and gets an enormous pop. And I'm just like, why? Why? I, I usually get the... Uh, yeah, that's usually my... Oh, okay, here we I go. hear a voice in my head that says, boo, boo, Randy Orton, boo. <laughs> Speaking of the tag yes. team division, we have to talk about the tag match that happened this week. Um, and Uso's use of your phrase of American Alpha version 2. Hey! Because uh, they listen! The Uso's apparently are marks for the Sir Ian Dangerous. What up, Uso? Who knew? What up, Uso? Yes, I have joined the Uso's penitentiary. <laughs> and apparently day one is always H. <laughs> My day one is Triple H, man. Don't oh. forget it. Uh, yeah, so apparently American Alpha had, or 2.0, let's yeah. be clear, yeah. had their uh, title match against the Usos this week. This was interesting because we saw some cheaty tactics from American Alpha 2.0 last week where they where they kicked uh, one of the Usos in the back uh, during the match. Well, in this one, they uh, Gable comes up front of the ring and chop blocks one of the Usos in the leg and messes up his leg and gets the Uso counted out which I thought was weird for two reasons. One, it's real heelish. Yeah, it is. It's super heelish. When that went down, I just went, oh, shit, what was that? And it made you have a lot of sympathy for the Uso. Uh, I don't forget it was Jimmy or Jay. But here, that was one thing, one aspect of it. And another aspect, it was dumb because they're fighting for the championship and they're going to, if they win by count out, they don't get the belts. Or disqualification. Yeah, you know, what are you doing? If, you, if, they, if the ref had seen that for whatever reason yeah. or the count out, you're not, so I don't know. Which makes it extra heelish if they were doing it just to injure him yes. before Survivor Series. Took the words out of my mouth. So is this a double turn? Like the Maybe. Usos are already kind of getting over with their new heelish gimmick. Like they, they're they're turning face despite themselves because they're just so entertaining. They've hit the tweener because that nobody they, they cheer. They right. absolutely hit the yeah. tweener. Could not agree more. Yep. And American Alpha, I think, is coming the opposite direction and is becoming the bad guy tweener. They're now getting heelish. Where like you're still like, yeah, they're really good wrestlers, but they're kind of dicks and they're not. I don't know really- if I want that though. They, I mean, I get where they're coming from. So they've changed their colors. They're not wearing the red, white, and blue yay America Thank stuff God. anymore, right? Uh, they're in this like orange and brown kind of, you know, angry. It looks angry, uh, but I totally see this. Where I don't know. I think it's more of a. It's more surprising to me that Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin are going down this route as opposed to the Usos. Just kind of still be in the Usos. People just like it now. Sure. As a and, and I hated this at first, but I, I came around over the last six months to really enjoying the Usos. I hated gimmick. it. I hated it for like two weeks, and then was like, "No, this is awesome." Yeah. Once they got into the <laughs> rhythm of it, yeah. They, yeah, blew it out of out of the park. But here's the thing: you have the New Day who are face. If Usos turn face, that's that's a lot of faces in the tag division. You know, technically, 
they're not doing anything with them and their their whole angle about splitting up has been kind of derailed but the hype bros technically are still face yeah you have um the fandango and tyler breeze are face uh, the Ascension have essentially turned face by association with the fashion. I can't remember police. the last time they actually wrestled, but okay. Still, yeah. uh, they're they're pretty face at this point. Right. Um, so you need another heel team, and you know if you have Aiden English and Rusev, and if American Alpha 2.0, for lack of a better way to to term them, uh, if they turn heel, that I think they make a good strong heel team. So I could see why this would work. Also, I think that they needed the Usos to be a little facier going into Survivor Series because the bar are heels. Yes, they're heels. So if you have if you have it set up so that the Usos are the faces, then you know, good work. Well, that was SmackDown Live. Whatever happened outside of the stuff that AJ Styles winning the belt, right? Next week we've got to talk about the what has been set up as a title match for the women's division between Natalia and Charlotte. Dude, I'm calling this right now as being more last minute title changes to make matches better. Charlotte versus Alexa Bliss at Survivor I'm, Series. I, I'm calling it right now. Okay. I, I'm there I think they're trying to make a bigger match, and that's definitely a bigger match. Yes, it is. Uh, and not having Charlotte involved in that match would be insane. I think that it's it's going to be a much bigger deal if you have Alexa Bliss, who has established herself as being a big deal on Raw, even though this week she had some rambling thing about how Natty was a crazy cat lady again. And I don't know. She's kind of fallen off in the last few weeks for me. But I think her versus Charlotte would be a much bigger deal on, on paper, on a card. To me, too late. They should have done that this week because because by the time you do it next week, that's your go-home show and you're flipping it at the very last minute. Like Nah, that. but here's the thing. This week we had AJ versus gender, so you can't have it all be on one show because then you have nothing next week. That's this fair. is going to be the big event from next week, the big talking point. Uh, I'm with you. See what I'm saying? I'm with you. Speaking of which, we have another belt on the line next week and that is Baron Corbin versus Sin Cara and they've had an ongoing feud that actually has gotten pretty good. Uh, but do you see Sin Cara... So the same logic we just had, right? Miz versus Baron Corbin. That's a weird match on paper. Is Sin so is Cara, Sin Cara versus Miz. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I was going to say. But <laughs> it makes more sense because Sin Cara is a face and Baron's not. And it's not like, I mean, Miz versus Baron, who was getting cheered in that match? I don't Those know. are two of the most hated guys in WWE. I think they might just pull the trigger on this and make a Sin Cara versus Miz, have Miz on the damn pre-show again, and just you know call it a oh, wash. Oh, God. I didn't put all that together. Well, that, like he I would said, lose his mind. Sin Cara has been getting a push since he, since he just signed that big uh, contract a week or two ago. So Maybe. it could happen. And they need a very prominent luchador, which they haven't had in a very long time yeah. in, on the main roster. I don't know where that leaves Baron Corbin for Survivor Series, but yeah, it's Baron Corbin. I don't Corbin. know that anybody cares and or if Baron Corbin even cares. Well, the great point. thing about Baron Corbin is a Baron heel. Corbin's Baron Corbin. Yeah, and his, his whole thing as a heel is he hates us, we hate him, and then whenever he's on our shows, we just want to boo him because we hate him so much. And, and he loves that we hate him. Yeah, that's great heel yes, work. Perfect. We want him to not be on the card because screw that guy. Whether or not he has a belt on is irrelevant. Right. Well, opinion. if he has it, it makes him even more insufferable. Right. Which, yes. which is what I'm saying. It can, so Miz is the same kind of thing. It's a little bit of a different tweak on it. He's like the spoiled kid, right? Like the, like the whiny little bitch champ. And Baron Corbin is just like the arrogant douchebag champ <laughs> and you have a match between the spoiled kid and the arrogant douchebag it's like who do you cheer you just, you just hope for the terrorists to win i don't know but match. i kind of want to see it <laughs> my morbidly curious curious kind of way i just right. hope one of them gets injured screw those guys all this madness going on in wrestling this week all the titles changing hands gonna happen more next week and we, we have the go home shows next week we still yeah. gotta talk about 
It's just going to be more and more madness. But whew, we're going to wait and talk about the go-home shows for Raw and SmackDown next week. Uh, but before we go today, we do have to take a step aside and talk about the wide world of wrestling. Well, Survivor Series isn't the only thing happening in a week from this weekend. We've also got NXT TakeOver Houston War War Games. Games. War Games, son. It's back. 20 years it's been gone. And I have to say, you know, we had the Ric Flair 30 for 30 thing happen this week, which we'll talk about later, but there were some shots of, I had forgotten a lot about War Games. And I believe we had a nice video package for War Games on NXT this week. You believe correctly. It was an amazing video package. It's, it's on its own on YouTube. Go check it out. I wasn't if you sure if I had watched it on YouTube or NXT, and I think both. It was I both. think I watched it yeah. again. So, yeah, I just I loved watching that. If you're not hyped for War Games, this will get you hyped up. Oh. It's, it had me fired up. They did make it a lot about how Dusty Rhodes had a big hand in it. They, you know, they, they love putting over Dusty in NXT. With good reason. Yes. Um, it's probably one reason why Cody Rhodes hasn't really been talking more shit about war games is because, you know, they've they've done a good job of making sure that Dusty's contributions to it have yes. been noted. Well, I mean, the point is it's his idea. It was his originally it was his idea originally, right? Yep. Yeah. That and the Shockmaster. Yeah. But, you know, you can't win them all. Uh, that being said, uh, you know, we had to talk about NXT real quick. It's just been all the squashes you can handle recently, yeah. with the exception of one or two things, but uh, you know, one of the things that wasn't a squash, Roddy Strong is now building up his uh, a- a antagonistic relationship with the Undisputed Era. He had a match with Adam Cole this week that was, eh, it was okay. But the bottom line is, Roddy Strong is going to be aligned with uh, with Authors of Pain at War Games. And I don't know what the relationship is there. And that's still weird to me. Hopefully we have that defined more clearly next week. Because right now it just seems like a weird mashup just to give Authors of Pain a third person. Yeah, and where did they, they, they came back last week out of nowhere all yeah. of a sudden. And it just feels a little bit thrown together. It, no, it's completely know? thrown together. We know why Sanity's together. Why not together. have Heavy Machinery come out and team up with Roderick Strong? Right, that would make more sense. Right. Except that I think that you know we're, we're AOP is still a bigger draw, sure, and they're also more experienced and they put on better matches historically. So sure. it still makes sense to have AOP be your big number one tag team as far as the big dudes are concerned. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense having them with Roderick Strong at all. I'm into it. It's going to be chaos. It's going to be a madness, but it still doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, let's run down the list of squash matches that happened on the rest of the card <laughs> outside of that match. Uh, Kyrie Sane came out and basically dismantled Billy Kay, uh, as we could have probably predicted. Right, you know, I'm I'm a fan of Billy. I think she's decent. You know, uh, in the ring, she makes a better, almost a valet to Peyton Royce, who I think has more hype and more potential uh, as a re- in ring performer. I'll say. Uh, but that said, you know, she's already going to be in the women's title match, uh, the f- uh, Fatal Four Way. Peyton for the Royce title match. will be, yeah, yep. So having her come out and have Peyton Royce look nice in some tight jeans and boots walking around the ring, you know, great. That's just that was more of a showcase of Peyton Royce than it and was it, for Billy it, Kay to me. It builds heat between two of the people in the Fatal Four Way for the Women's exactly. Championship exactly. at War Games. Uh, another murder that we had this week: Velveteen Dream came out and crushed Cesar Bononi. The prototype, the, like <laughs> he the, just got the prototype. Cesar Bononi, I think, has a, has a big. He's got a big future in front of him. That guy is just such a natural heel. He's got the look just down. The WWE look just he he's chiseled from stone. He's, he's six foot eight, smeared in olive oil and chiseled from stone. <laughs> he's gonna go a long way. Um, I had I had a, I had a weird funny thing. So Velveteen Dream, obviously building toward his towards his match uh, with Alistair Black at Takeover War Games. 
Um, should this be a say my name match? Oh God! Should this be like, <laughs> <laughs> you? You lose when you say, say the other person's name. name? I, I'm just saying, Velveteen Dream seems obsessed with having Alistair Black say his name. Is, is that really what this whole this whole feud is built on? Is about wants, say himself. It's oh, about God. respect. It's what you I know, understand. It's that. one of the t- wrestling matches should be about one of two things: respect or who's the bigger badass. This one's about respect. It's just got a funny twist to it. I love Velveteen Dream. I love Alistair Black. It's going to be awesome. I they, they don't need to build me anymore for this. I'm ready. Yeah. Continuing on with the squash matches, we speaking of heavy machinery, we saw them come out and kill two people who one guy I've seen in the CWC. CWC and the other guy I have no idea who it was. Well, the other guy's name was Chris Payne. So Sean Maluda and Chris Payne. And Chris Payne's last name is very appropriate because dear God, heavy machinery put the pain down on these two poor little jobbers. Uh one thing I have to ask about this match is how the hell does Dozovich do the worm? I have no idea. He's shaped like a fire truck. That guy is going to be a star. He's That was unbelievable. A guy, his shape and his size, doing dance moves and then whatever. Jumps up out of the third roll into a big elbow drop? Yes. Oh, uh, my God. So if, if you guys you guys know I'm a Braun Strowman mark, I, and you I've like, been, you like I've the been big pretty dudes. clear that I've, I'm, a, I'm a heavy machinery mark all throughout this summer, and they are finally getting some love, and I'm, I'm very, very excited about their Well, you know who else future. you're a mark for because he's a big dude is Lars Sullivan. Yes. And this week we got told that he's having a match against another big guy, Cassius Ono, yes. at yes. War Games. Now, Cassius obviously has been kind of like a coach. Yeah. He's putting over guys, helping people, you know, uh, get their finishing touches. Like beats them. That's the only problem with it. Well, sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes he does, and I think this is one instance where I don't think he's beaten Lars Sullivan. I don't think he's the no. dude who's going to hand Lars his first loss. This is going to be a great slobber knocker match between two big dudes who can throw down. Cassius, I think, is a little bit more nimble somehow with his frame. I don't not know gonna how matter. he's nimble. It's not going to matter. No, it's, I mean, he's going to put up the big spots, and Lars is going to be the base. It's going to be a, a, a cool clash. I'm, I'm that there's no story build for this whatsoever. I didn't like that. Don't care. Just out of nowhere. No, I don't give a shit. Don't care. <laughs> you don't always need them. I, I think Regal said that about the Finn Balor, AJ Styles match. Yeah. On, he, he tweeted out like, sometimes you don't need a damn story. Yeah, All you if, need is these two guys want to fight. Yeah, if, if Lars shows up and just no sells stiff the whole match and Ono comes in and does his flying, jumping around big man stuff that he does, this is going to set the place on fire and I'm so excited about yeah, it. Yeah, it could be the opening match of the night and just light the place oh. up. Actually, I take it back. Technically, the opening match for War Games will not be televised on the network on the War Games special. Huh? Johnny Gargano versus Pete Dunne for the UK Championship is the opening match what? of this show. Why is Gargano running for the UK Championship? Because he can. Okay. Because it's Johnny Gargano. So here's my theory. Uh, this is actually going to be the main event of the NXT following takeover because you know they always have like a week off of TV after that. They always make, make a bunch of matches and throw everything or throw everything together yep. in like a, in an episode after that. I have a feeling this will be the main event. Like it'll be a whole bunch of recaps, and then that'll be the main event following takeover. The week following takeover. So gotcha. I'm not panicking about not seeing this match yet because I know it won't be on takeover, even though it's being recorded at takeover. Because I want to see this match. Yes, I do too. Oh my. That will be some some wrestling. Well, that's it for NXT this week. Let's head over and talk about what went down in New Japan Power Struggle. Yeah, speaking of some legit graps, we got to talk about New <laughs> Japan because they had a, another one of their great, uh, not a pay-per-view, but big events. Uh, we've got new Super Junior Tag Tournament uh, winners, and uh, that's Rapongi 3K. Show and Yo are showing up big time since they debuted. Their next opponents are the Young Bucks. Uh, they got challenged after this match. So that's going to be... That'll be a big match. That'll be a big match. 
Um, another match that I was looking forward to, and and I, I'm, it's a little bittersweet for me. Uh-oh. But you know I'm a Minoru Suzuki fan. Of course. I'm also a Toru Yanu fan. Oh, no. And they finally had... They, they finally had their confrontation for the never open weight belt. And Toru Yanu finally got his. Minoru gave him the gotch style pile driver and won. Oh, and it's just, no. Um, it's you know, typical Suzuki gun madness outside of the ring, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Toru Yanu couldn't pull this one off. But it's okay. It's okay. It's been building for so long. Toru's had Minoru's number for so long that finally he had to catch him. It, it, was, it was time. It was inevitable. Yeah. Speaking of things that I didn't think were inevitable, though, our boy Marty Skrull. He had a championship match against uh, uh, Will Ospreay for the Junior Heavyweight Championship. He won. Yes. Marty Skrull is the new Junior Heavyweight I would not champ. have picked that. I wouldn't have either. I thought Ospreay was going to have a longer run. He had like a month-long run with the belt. <laughs> but that's because there's been all this uh, feuding going on between uh, Hiromo Takahashi and uh, Kushida yeah. and Ospreay. Right? They've all been kind of in each other's game. Well, after this match, they set up a fatal four-way for the belt at Wrestle Kingdom 12. With Marty Skrull and Osprey? Marty Skrull, the current champ, Will Ospreay, Hiromu Takahashi, and Kushida. What? Fatal four-way of four of the most talented wrestlers in the world for the Junior Heavyweight Championship at Wrestle Kingdom. Holy, Holy shit. Holy crap, they are setting up this pay-per-view. To their, their, their big show of the year, the biggest one, their WrestleMania, it's going to be huge. Wow. Speaking of huge, we got to talk about this. Kenny Omega had a, a match for the U.S. belt with Trent Beretta. He won, and instead of Trent having a nice moment after the match, guess who should show up on the monitors to challenge Kenny Omega for the U.S. title at Wrestle Kingdom 12? Did he, did he break walls down? He broke walls down <laughs> because now Kenny Omega is on the list of Jericho. Oh, boy. This blew my mind. Chris Jericho? Chris Jericho. Isn't he still under a WWE contract? The How only, does this work? I don't know. He's just, he's, Vince loves him that much. He's going to let him go work Japan. I, what the hell? If, it, if this wasn't a week where AJ Styles had won the title from Jinder Mahal and the, the tag belts had changed, this would have been our top story. That Chris Jericho is going to work Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega. Is Vince sending in a spy? No, it's not a damn spy. I'm putting my tinfoil hat on for a minute. Ugh. What's Vince up to here? This, do, this feels I don't naughty. think this is Vince at all. This just sounds like Chris Jericho being at a point in his career where he'll do whatever the hell he wants and no one's going to tell him no because he's Chris frickin' Jericho. And he's a living legend at this point. Let's, like, there's no other way to put it. If you told me Chris Jericho was going to be a, a legend 10 years ago, I wouldn't have believed you. But with his entire career looking back on it and the work he's been doing in the last 10 years... Absolutely, the guy is is has to be in the in the in the conversation for one of the top guys of all time. Yeah, but Omega's having some of the best matches of his life in 2017 against some of the biggest wrestlers in the yeah. world. I don't really rate Jericho there. You, what? Not anymore. Oh man, in, in, Jericho in can heyday. still absolutely work a match. You've seen that in the last year with the stuff he's done with Kevin Owens, and 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 he's still absolutely. He's good to go. And Kenny Omega also, with, this, with the ring psychology, they're going to be able to tell a great story. That being said, I'm a little sad we're not going to see Omega Ibushi finally come to a head. But here's the thing. Both those guys are young. I can wait for that. That's been a long payoff story as it is. It's okay. I, I was sad at first, uh, especially because in the main event of Power Struggle, Ibushi did lose to Tanahashi. He did not win the Intercontinental Championship. So I don't know where Ibushi's going to go now what he's going to do because now he's kind of left out in the cold here i don't know who he's going to feud against if he's going to even be at wrestle kingdom hmm. so how can you not have sad. kenny omega at wrestle kingdom kenny omega is at wrestle kingdom oh, who are you just referring to kota ibushi oh ibushi okay, ibushi is right. not there yeah, which yeah, yeah. is insane to me i don't know who they're going to put together for him 
So well, you just mentioned the Tanahashi and Ibushi match. After that match, Jay White came out as Switchblade and challenged him for the IC title Jay at White's Wrestle back. Kingdom. Why is Jay White <laughs> challenging Tanahashi? There's no like like this is out of nowhere. I would not have guessed. I first of all, I would not have guessed Jay White was the Switchblade character they've been teasing for the last few months. Right. But also, like, I mean, yes, Jay White is a is a big deal in New Japan. He had a great excursion over here in Ring of Honor. Like, he's he's a big deal. I didn't know he was that big of a deal to go work Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom. That still seems like a bit of a uh, that doesn't quite. I, I would have rather seen Kota Ibushi again or like a through. I don't know. This doesn't sound right to me. But maybe that's just me. Well, we still got three months to get there. Is there anything? Um we only have now like and then? two months. It's it's the beginning of January. Oh, that's true. It yeah, is like the first week of January. We've only it? got, I think, one more big show till like then. Weeks? So, yeah, it's, okay. that's I, you know. Speaking of big shows with New Japan, though, guess what's coming back to the U.S. on March twenty fifth? New Japan. New Japan. They're they're bringing Strong Style Evolved back to uh, Long Beach. Yes. But um, here's my here's my bummer thing about it: a five thousand person venue. It's the Walter Pyramid, the, the Long Beach State University oh, yeah. basketball arena. Long Beach State, yeah. The hell, man! Last time you guys were here, you had a tiny little show too, and you had people waiting around the block to get tickets. They could sell out a seventeen thousand person arena here. Staples Center. I think easily. Yeah. I don't know why they don't. It's it's weird. I, I mean, I'm I'm going to do my best to be there for it. Oh, I've, but we will absolutely be there if we can uh, do it. I want to get a quick rundown of uh, TNA Bound for Glory or Impact Bound for Glory, uh, which went down. Obviously, a lot of these matches we knew about already. Because they were recorded a while ago, um, Impact is this week just relocated to Canada. It's now officially a Canadian company. I want to run down this real quick because it happened and it's worth noting. Sure. Uh, Trevor Lee retained the X Division title. Uh, Abyss wins another Monsters Ball match against Grotto. I want to talk about that because Grotto wore the Mick Foley, the red and black uh, plaid shirt. Thought that was a nice touch. Nice. He's one of the guys who invented the Monsters Ball match. Nice. Um, and Rosemary took a thumbtack spot in that match, which was gnarly. Wow. Okay. Um. Let's see. OVE retained the tag belts against the uh, the LAX, the Latin America Exchange. Uh, Gail Kim won the knockouts belt and then apparently retired. So she's going to retire as the champ. Which, given that Gail Kim was a huge deal in in TNA, like that's that's a nice way to honor her. Yeah. Um, and then Eli Drake retained his belt over Johnny Impact with interference from Alberto El Patron. So the main event, the main event title picture still is a bunch of chaos. So we'll see where that goes from there. Obviously, they tape way in advance. So. We can keep an eye on that as we go. So uh, some other quick news to get to. Uh, 205 Live, as we mentioned, was UK-themed this week. You had pretty much the entire UK division come out and get introduced by Enzo. So I'm wondering if they're thinking of kind of mashing the two divisions together. That was, or if it was That's just because they were in the, U- in the UK and they wanted to get over in the UK. I'm not sure. Huh. Uh, you mentioned the Ric Flair documentary, 30 for 30, uh, Nature, Nature Boy, I believe is what it's called. It's now on each ESPN. You watch it. I haven't. What did you think? Without getting into a very long discussion, I have tons I would like to say about it, but for the sake of time, I'll say that it's it's must-watch material for any wrestling fan. Uh, it got to some very personal spots for both Rick. I mean, he literally started like as a kid and how he was adopted all the way to like 2000. His Shawn Michaels retirement It's comprehensive. It, yeah. is, it, is one, it is 90 minutes. It is fully comprehensive as, you, as much as you can be in 90 minutes. But for me, it took me back to the late 80s, early 90s heyday of Ric Flair in NWA, WCW, and his transition from there, and basically a big middle finger FU to the guy, I can't remember his name, that had just taken over WCW, that he refused to go to Baltimore without a new contract. That's how he ended up in WWF in the early 90s, and showed up right away to face Hulk Hogan, right? Yeah, and then won the Royal Rumble, too. Yep, and won the Royal Rumble. So... 
Yes, that that was a very formative time of my year. Uh, you know, going from like eight, the late eighties to the early nineties. There are a lot of memories in there with my grandparents and family struggles. Where I was, you know, I, I isolated myself watching wrestling. It got me through a lot of that stuff. So Rick Rick Flair, I will. He has always been my favorite wrestler. Has a little bit to do with him being a Charlotte homeboy as well. But you know, that, that's. That's neither here nor there in this. It is absolutely must-watch material for it, whether young or old fan of wrestling uh, just to see the legacy of a man that spent 40 years in the business going yeah. all the way back to the early 70s. Yeah, I cannot wait to sit down with a cold one and watch this uh, You know, in order to be the man. You got to beat the man, Woo! and I want to watch the man. Woo! Cannot wait for that. Um, another thing I want to touch on really quick this week before we go, Dragon Gate. The Gate of Destiny pay-per-view just happened, and it was Ricochet's goodbye show to Dragon Gate. Mm. Uh, it was very emotional. He had a, he broke down at the end of it. Um, you know, he has a tattoo for Dragon's Gate. Like the guy right. really leaves, lives and breathes Dragon Gate, and it's looking like he's going to step aside from the indie scene, possibly come to NXT WWE in the spring. So this was his goodbye show, and he also celebrated, I should add, by kissing literally everyone at the end of his match, just going around kissing all the wrestlers. And then passed out in the middle of the ring. It's actually worth a look if you okay, can find that on, I'll check on YouTube. That out. It's, it's pretty hilarious. Um, also announced Cody versus Dalton Castle for the Ring of Honor title at Ring of Honor Final Battle on December 15th. So the main event is now set for that. Piers Morgan and Corey Graves are apparently having a Twitter war after Corey Graves made some reference to him on Monday Night Raw. Okay. Uh, Piers Morgan, I guess, you know, clapped back at him. And Corey Graves said something to the effect of, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Welcome to relevance. Sorry, I, I just Googled the most hated man in England and was trying to make a reference. To, oh. which, to which Piers Morgan wrote back, relevant, I have 5.8 more fo- million more followers than you do. When it comes to relevance, I'm John Cena, you're Heath Slater. Damn! Yeah, so it's, uh, it's still ongoing right now. Uh, feel free to go check out Twitter. Uh, a lot of wrestlers are getting involved too. Uh, you know, it's, it's been very entertaining to me at least. Um, one more quick note to end on a, on a, on a positive note. Uh, Yoshihiro Takayama, if you're not aware of who he is, uh, <laughs> go on YouTube and search for Takayama Don Fry at Pride 21. That's the famous clip of the two guys basically just punching each other in the face for 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Don Fry looks like a beefed up, jacked up Freddie Mercury. Right. So Yoshihiro Takayama, early this year, he was paralyzed in a wrestling event uh, from the neck down. And people that. thought he was going to die, actually. It's, it's, it's pretty tragic. Uh, apparently, he's really well liked uh, by everyone in all businesses. Well, he this week has announced that he's now in an electric wheelchair and he's learning to use it with his mouth. So he's now mobile again. So things are looking up for him. So best wishes to him. And like I said, wanted to end on a bit of a positive note. He's, yes. he's coming back and... You know, glad that he is he's finally getting back to some semblance of normalcy. That's fantastic. And I hope we get to see him at, at future events as well. So I have I have no doubt they'll bring him out uh, at, at future New Japan events or Wrestle Kingdom in January, maybe. May, uh, maybe not that maybe soon. Maybe too but, yeah, soon. Maybe. We'll see. Okay. Well, guys, that's our show for this week. Next week we have three go home shows. Good lord. We're going we are going to NXT Riverside this weekend as well, by yeah. the way. We'll do a little little taping. I don't think it's gonna be a taped show, but it'll be a house show, I guess, technically, right? Sure. But we're gonna see some cool shit. We'll be sure and post some pictures up on our Facebook page, which is the Busted Wide Open Discussion Group. You can come find us over there. Look for all the pictures and all of the commentary that we'll be posting there or over on Twitter at BWO Podcast. 
If you like this show and like what we're doing, we'd love to do it a lot more, but we need your support. So head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash store, pick up a cool t-shirt, maybe a coffee mug, sticker, who knows, or you can head over to patreon.com slash BWO, throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar, or even sign up to do your very own shoot promo here on the show. And you know what? We are on the iTunes store, so please go on there, leave us a review, leave us a, a rating, tell us what we're doing well, tell us what you'd like to see us do differently, because we would like to make the best show possible for you listeners out there. And thank you so much for listening while we're at it. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me over on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter. Twitter at Surrey and Dangerous. But by God, Will somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.